And welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You could also interact with us on Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. We'll try to get to your tweets and as many phone calls as possible over the next 60 minutes. We're going to look at the NFC East from a big picture perspective on today's show because we are about to start free agency. We're nearing the beginning of the new league year, and it's not just what the Giants are looking at. It's also what the three divisional foes are looking at and what the makeup of the division is going to be like entering 2019. So we'll tackle that. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets. As of right now, nobody has been handed the franchise tag or the transition tag. Paul and I delved into a lot of that yesterday and talked about perhaps the Giants utilizing that on Landon Collins. If you have a player that you think the Giants should utilize it on it, we want to hear from you. But we are now a day into the period in which you can hand out tags, Paul. They have until mm-hmm. March 5th. Now, I will say this. Based on speculation, and I know ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted out, they're projecting that this could be a really big class that has handed the tag. Each of the last two years, Paul, five players have been tagged, and that incorporates the franchise tag of the transition tag. They're talking there could be double that when it's all said and done by the time March 5th rolls around here. Well... I understand because there are so many good players who are coming up in this particular year, so it makes a lot of sense why these teams would try to do that. Uh, I don't know how much the business of the league has to do with this either. Remember, the CBA is coming due in two years. And I don't know how much the players or the teams or the agents or whoever, when they're trying to figure out where the business of the league is going to go, if, if that has a contributing factor involved here because, you know, does a player or does a team say, well, I'm not interested in doing a four- or five-year deal with a player because I don't know in two years if the CBA is going to be altered and how that might affect and impact the large contracts that we have on the roster. So does that maybe kind of factor in here where more teams are looking to do the tags in the one year because – they want a little more flexibility going into the uncertainty of what would be the the you know non CBA year or the negotiated year or whatever. I mean, remember the last time that they went through this, there was an uncapped year for one year. Yeah, because the league didn't know how to handle it, so they said, okay, let's just uncap it for a year and then we'll put everything into next year because they felt business wise it wasn't fair, uh, not knowing how things were going to shake down to clamp teams and players into the new system right away they said we'll give you a year to figure it out so why don't we just go uncapped for one year I don't know could that happen again no I think that's a valid point that perhaps that's why teams are maybe shying away from locking up players long term but I think it has more to do with especially the names that I'm hearing and the candidates for the tag it's more about have we seen enough from player a or player b was it a flash, Paul, or is it a sign of what's yet to come? And I think some teams are nervous of signing a guy long-term just based on one really good season. Or, in the case of like a Jadavian Clowney, for example, of the Houston Texans, the injury concern, the durability concern. I mean, we even talked about that to a certain degree with Landon Collins and him having season-ending surgery each of the last two seasons. It's not that there's not potential. 
you just the last thing you want to do is lock up a player and then he winds up playing half the season. Right. Because that's not getting a lot of bang for your buck. And I think that's something that every team is weighing. So I think it's a combination of your point, maybe the uncertainty of the upcoming CBA negotiations, but more so durability and just not a lot of substance or longevity on the resume to say, hey, at this point, we're content with locking up a player for four to five years. Uh, that's certainly a possibility as well. I, I think it, it's it's kind of unique in that, as you said, the, the estimate is it could be as many as double what the average has been because I think the average, if I'm not mistaken, Lance, I read this somewhere, it might have been on, on ESPN, the average number of tagged players since I think like 2010 is like six per year. So it's not just last year. When you cited that stat. Well, each of the last two years have been five. So six would make sense in terms of average. I mean, I'll go back, not to interrupt you, 2016, you could tell just by the list here, the volume a lot higher. So 2016, they had eight? one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players three years ago. And then in 15, they went to six. So... That's a sample size of the last four years. You would say six is a fair average. Okay, so double digits are really unheard of, and we may wind up with that this year. It's very possible. Look at 2012. Look at how many guys were tagged mm. in 2012. A slew. <laughs> I mean, that's even more than 10. So we've seen years where there's been double digits in terms of the volume. This will be an interesting year to watch. The other thing to take into consideration, you may have two kickers that are tagged this year because the kicker tag is not overwhelming, and it's usually not overwhelming in general, so teams figure, hey, if we value our kicker, let's just place the tag on them, and for one year, we'll have the kicker play under that. So that could also bring the number up. But speaking of big picture, before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513, this is the season also where you wonder, okay, not only what direction are the Giants going to go in, but what direction are the Cowboys, the Redskins, and the Eagles going to go into? And if we just real quickly look at the three divisional foes here, Paul, I think a great conversation is, what are the biggest question marks looming over the divisional foes? Because obviously we focus a lot on this program about the Giants, but the Giants are going to be monitoring what the three other teams are going to be doing. To me, I want to start with the Washington Redskins because the Redskins are the most interesting team this offseason. Why? Because unfortunately, Alex Smith suffered a season-ending injury, a devastating injury, and right now they don't even know if he's going to be able to suit up again this season or perhaps the remainder of his career. So to me, the Redskins quarterback situation is a huge question mark entering this offseason. And do they address it in free agency? Do they go after one of the remaining veteran quarterbacks? And remember, money is a concern because they've got a lot of money locked up with Alex Smith, and that doesn't just come off the books. Or... Are they one of the surprise teams that is going to make a move, they're picking 15th, to try to grab a Haskins, to try to grab a Kyle Murray? I would not be surprised if we hear, as we get closer to the draft, that Washington is aggressively pursuing a young quarterback, given they have a huge need right now. Well, they're also going to need defense. They are. You know, and it is a strong defensive draft. I'm looking at their free agent list. Ha-ha Clinton Dix is an unrestricted Who They just free acquired agent. at the trade deadline. Preston Smith. Is an undrafted, uh, undrafted, unrestricted uh, free agent. Pass rusher. Uh, and, and those two guys are pretty important to them. Uh, now, again, we talked about tags a moment ago. Would they consider tagging one of those guys? I don't know. Well, it looks like they're Probably going to not, part right? ways with HaHa Clinton Dix. I think that was more a rental for the second half of the season. Because remember, when the Redskins made that deal, 
they were still right in the hunt to win the NFC East. They got off to such a strong start, and then the injury bug just absolutely killed them. So I think that's how they viewed that maneuver. But I agree with you 100%, Paul. Safety overall is a huge need for the Redskins because one of the reasons why they grabbed HaHa Clinton Dix is because it's been a revolving door at that position, not just last season, over the last few years. So I would... Well, their whole secondary, in my mind, has been weak for a a long time. Well, corner has been a problem because of injuries, but they've been at, I would argue, in much better shape, at least, from a respectable standpoint, at corner, much more so than safety. I mean, safety has been a major issue, so where they go with that position, I think, is just as much of a question mark with respect to the quarterback spot. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, as you look at Dallas's needs, Dallas has still a very young defense— So they don't have huge priorities in free agency because a number of guys are still on rookie contracts, and it looks like Sean Lee is going to come back. And given his injury history, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a huge concern there. But you look at on the offensive side of the ball, they just parted ways with Terrence Williams. They're not going to pick up his option. They acquired Amari Cooper, and Cole Beasley is a free agent. I would say on the Mm -hmm. surface, Paul, wide receiver is a position to watch for the Cowboys this offseason. Interesting in that uh, Tavon Austin, who I have always believed is an underachiever, quite frankly, wound up making some pretty important plays for the Cowboys this past season. May have made more significant plays this year than any other time during his career because it just seemed to me he disappeared too much earlier in his tenure in the NFL. Uh, If Dallas really liked some of the big plays that he made, maybe they consider bringing him back. He's a UFA right now. Now, of course, that also depends on what the number is going to be. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, he thinks his number should be higher than they do. <laughs> but but uh, that would be another receiver who you might have to wipe off the depth chart in addition to Williams and Beasley. Well, Austin, you're right. He made some big plays here or there. I would still argue they didn't utilize him as much as they possibly could. Now, you wonder... If they do move on from Beasley because Beasley gets some respectable offers, do they look at Tavon Austin as a potential replacement for Cole Beasley out of the slot, which is how he was utilized a bit with the Rams? That's something that's interesting to monitor because, like I said, he wasn't very much involved in the game plan. I think you're thinking of that first Giants game in Dallas where Austin, (sighs) in the blink of an eye, was able to run up the left sideline. You had to go Well. You brought him up. We might as well provide some context on this program. <laughs> yes, the only yes. That is reason one, why I bring it up. That is one of the big plays that I recall him making this past season. Because, quite frankly, I got I got kind of tired of when he came out of school. He was supposed to be one of these jack of all trades uh, who was going to just wreak havoc across the NFL because of his ability to do so many different things. He'll play slot. He'll play boundary. He'll even run end-arounds. He'll return kicks. He's going to be basically this do-everything guy who's just going to specialize in big, big plays. And I never thought it materialized. And then maybe because he was in the Giants division last year with Dallas, and I saw more of Dallas than I had seen Austin in other stops uh, of his career, maybe that's why he became a little bit more dangerous to me than I ever remember him. But I just thought last year he made some plays. Well, a player like that, it's important to have the right coaching in place, Paul, because it's a matter of you need to know how you're going to utilize somebody like that. I'm bringing up Tavon Austin's numbers, and 2016 was his highest usage. He was targeted 107 times that season. Now, Sean McVay took over in 17, so that was Jeff Fisher's last season Mm -hmm. with the Rams. But... 
after that, in 2017, which was his final season, then all of a sudden he's only targeted 22 times. Now you could argue the Rams brought in some new personnel. I get that. And he was only targeted 13 times. However, to your point, out of those 13 times, he made eight catches this season. So he made the most of his limited opportunities. He's also been viewed as a special teams player, much more so, at least during his Dallas tenure, as opposed to a wide receiver. But that's a name to watch for any team. If you have a specific plan, we're bringing you in, and this is how we're going to utilize him. But if you're just going to bring him in for the sake of bringing him in and you have no game plan, I don't think you're going to get the true potential out of Tavon Austin. But I think wide receiver is certainly a spot. Now, the last team, the Philadelphia Eagles who also made the playoffs like the Dallas Cowboys. Pass rush, defensive line is an area of great depth for Philadelphia. The issue for them this past season has been the secondary, and it's been like that over the last few seasons. Part of it is injury, so you would think maybe they'll look to solidify that spot by bringing in maybe a veteran to complement the young guys. And then you also wonder what their game plan is at running back. And the reason why I bring up the running back position, Paul, It's been a revolving door, especially this season, because Jay Ajayi, remember, went down early in the year with the torn ACL. They had a a few young guys they utilized. Darren Sproles in and out of the lineup, came back late. I wonder, do they look in the draft for another guy? Are they content with some of their young options? Jay Ajayi, is he going to be back in the picture? That, to me, is a position to watch for Philadelphia. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And and quite honestly, if you look at the laundry list of Unrestricted free agents, the Eagles have themselves a lot of work to do. I mean, I get it, okay? They had a terrific season. They went back, you know, and did what they did, what they did going to the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But um, they've got a lot of work to do. They've got guys just, I mean, and they're all over the place. You know, whether it's, it's safety, whether it's defensive line, whether position. it's wide receiver, whether it's running back, they're all over the place. Everybody talks about Nick Foles. Now, yeah, they're bringing back... They're bringing back, I think they're bringing back McLeod, right? Or are they not bringing back Rodney McLeod? That's I thought right I read they wanted to bring him back. Is to be determined. I, I think there's a desire, but remember, the injury history is something you got away with okay. as well. But Brandon Graham, Golden Tate, Halodi uh, um, Nada. I mean, these guys are, line. you know, these are legit, these are legit players, okay? Uh, uh, Margos is a terrific special teams player. He has made Tremendous. such a difference for them in the third version of the game the third section of the game, special teams. Been a huge player for them. Corey Graham, Sproles, Darby. There's a, there's a lot of guys on this list. And if you look at the kind of money that they made in the past, they're not necessarily five-and-dime players. These guys made a little bit of coin. So you know that they're not going to be anxious to take less. So where do the Eagles go? They got a lot of work to do. No, I think you bring up a good point. And if I'm correct, if I'm seeing that correctly, I think Jordan Hicks is on that list too, Paul, right? He's a Jordan Hicks is on very that valuable linebacker in the middle for them. UFA. So that's another player that if you're Philadelphia, I mean, just going over the names, Brandon Graham, Jordan Hicks, Golden Tate, to me are three guys that if you're the Eagles, you definitely want to bring them back. Especially since Mike Wallace and Jordan Matthews are both free agents at the wide receiver spot. So you acquired Golden Tate at the trade deadline. I'm assuming they want to have him come back with Alshon Jeffrey and then continue to utilize Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, their two tight ends, and then maybe go young at the running back position. They don't necessarily have to re-sign Jay Ajayi if they don't feel they need to invest in that position because, let's face it, if there's any position where I think the track record has been excellent in the draft, it's the running back position, Paul. That's why when, when anybody constantly says, you know, take a running back in the first round and this and that, or we're going to see what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell, 
and if the Steelers give him the transition tag. Right now, if you're a team, why are you giving up all these assets for a running back if you can get somebody perhaps in round two or round three? Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, I understand the off-the-field issues, but Kareem Hunt was a real great find for Kansas City, and he was a mid-to-late-round pick. So teams have had really good success finding running backs it makes you wonder what really becomes of the free agent running back market overall. And that's why I think a lot of these players are having a hard time cashing in on big deals because teams say, hey, I'd rather go young at that position. Well, here's what I wonder, Lance. And when we get to the Combine, uh, John Schmoke and I will be doing this show, BBKL, from the Combine next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, live from Indianapolis. So please uh, check out those shows. We will have the most complete coverage you could ever want to know coming from the Combine in terms of the Giants' perspective. But here's my question, Lance, and we're going to ask those guys when we're there. Uh, the plethora of young, successful running backs in this league brings to mind the question of how big a risk is it to take a running back when it seems as though they're almost sure thing hits. If you take a guy in the first or second round as a running back, even third round, it's almost like those guys aren't missing quarterbacks are a big risk we've got a bunch of those who miss wide receivers we see some of those guys who are drafted high who miss uh running backs for some reason the percentage of hits lately seems to be really good it does and i'm not sure why well i think maybe it's because of more and more colleges utilizing running backs like NFL teams expect them to do, such as pass protection, receiving. So maybe the transition so is not as difficult. I think that has and something to do with it. Yeah, I think maybe. The, the physique, the makeup of some of these running backs, you know, you look at them and you could say, hey, that's an NFL-ready body. It's not as if, oh, we need two to three years before we get that player up to the level that we expect them to be. So I, I think there's a variety of factors. Now, with that being said, because I'm sure a lot of people think, oh, wait a minute, we're having a conversation about running backs here, and the Giants just took Saquon Barkley. There are exceptions to the rule. Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley are exceptions because they have skill sets that not every running back is going to bring to the table. So it's not that you should never think about taking a running back high in the draft. That's not my point. It's just that if you're looking to round out your depth chart, Paul, and you're looking for a contributor to come in, if you don't feel like you want to utilize the resources in your cap and free agency money, then why not take your chances on somebody in the second or third round? That's my point. Well, yeah, but I think the success ratio of drafted running backs the last couple of years fortifies your point. Go ahead. Go get one in the draft because chances are you'll get what you need. 100%. That's, that's my take. Well, but the only thing I will say is I don't think they all are like Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley. They don't have to be. Not every run. Well, but I'm saying in this day and age, I want a running back that is a threat as a receiver. I think that adds a whole other layer and dynamic to your offense. You should not shy away from going after a player like that. Well, I mean, that's the way the game's being played yeah, nowadays. But what I'm saying is all running backs that are drafted, I wouldn't say that they're all elite wide receivers. The ones that even came in this year. I'm not saying that every back who comes into the draft is an all-around guy. I'm simply saying that it seems to me over the last few years when teams have taken running backs high, they have had a high success ratio. They have hit whatever skills those guys brought to the table. The point is it did translate. You know, teams didn't miss on taking 
high running backs. I don't know. I'd have to go back and study it. I didn't do an analysis on this or a statistical survey. You were talking about it, and I'm saying to myself, it just seems to me a lot of these high running backs have hit. Well, on the surface, I mean, I'm just looking at the last few seasons. I referenced Kareem Hunt. Sony Michelle's another one that I would bring up. Nick Chubb is another one from this year's past draft. I mean, he had a productive rookie year with the Cleveland Browns, and that was one There's of the reasons why good they moved on in the league. from some guys, of their other running backs. Yeah, Guys who were, you know, 25 and under. Yeah, absolutely. So, A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. All right, so that's the landscape of the NFC East. Let's hear from you at 201-939-4513. You could also weigh in on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. Christian's in New York. He gets us going on Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Christian? Hey, guys. Last time I called, we were talking about the draft a little bit, and I kind of touched on a point that I didn't really have time to talk about. Um I was saying that, you know, when the Giants do decide it's time to draft that next quarterback of the future, they're probably going to have to leave a little bit of value on the table um, because, you know, having the best player always line up where where you're picking from, uh, you know, it's just it's going to be hard to just, you know, only do that when a quarterback finally gets there. Because um, you know, it really, just might not happen soon at all if that's the way you're you're going with it. And I know you can trade up, but um, I feel like if they think one of these guys is going to be a top fifteen quarterback for the next ten plus years, I think that's when it becomes worth doing it, even if there are more talented players on the board. Yeah, if there's conviction and they feel that that quarterback is a franchise guy. Paul and I talked a lot about that yesterday, and I think we're all in agreement. If everybody in the room says, hey, Haskins the guy, hey, Murray's the guy, then yeah, that's all more of a reason why it makes sense to grab the quarterback in that spot with the sixth overall pick. And I, I don't think that there's a Saquon Barkley-level player this year uh, that would be competing with one of those quarterbacks if, if they think that one of them is... Uh, you know, the guy like we're talking. But do you think, like I, because I said top 15, do you think top 15 is the spot where you'd say, okay, it's it's okay to draft him over better players? I, I don't know if there's ever a number in somebody's head. I always go back to if you believe in the player, then you take him. What difference does it make if you feel top 15 is equate to the value of the player. The bottom line is you have faith in the player, so you take it because you don't believe that if you move down, the player is going to be available. So I think that's got to be the rationale in why you make a move for anybody, specifically a quarterback. Put it this way. The, the higher you are uh, on the board and the Giants are at number six, the more certain you have to be that that guy is going to be what you think he is. So, you know, if you're asking me about this year, no, I, I would be very surprised if they have such a strong conviction in one of these QBs over somebody in the defensive front seven, I would be very surprised. Uh, now, if you're asking me in another year, maybe maybe it's possible. Uh, and and where does that does that bridge meet the road? I don't know. Maybe in one year it meets the road at 15. Maybe another year it meets it at 12. Maybe another year it meets it at 23. I think that's very fluid. I don't think you can just come up with a blanket statement and and indicate you know, where that thing tips. I, I, don't, I just don't think it's possible. It was like when the Chiefs made the trade to move up 
to grab Patrick Mahomes. They believed in Patrick Mahomes. They didn't necessarily need a quarterback that year, but they said, hey, Mahomes could be our future guy. We're going to give up assets to move up, and we're going to take him. And I don't think in the back of their mind, Andy Reid in the Chiefs front office said, well, Patrick Mahomes is technically a top 25 value, so we're going to lose value here of 15 spots by moving up to 10. They believed in Mahomes, and that's what any franchise has to do. You like the guy, you move up, you grab him, and you don't think twice. You know what's funny about this whole thing? I mean, it's it's amazing how quickly fans forget, although maybe it's just too many years for a lot of our younger fans. You know, when the Giants got Kerry Collins, he was a free agent, and they pulled him up off the scrap heap, and they totally resuscitated his career, yep. and he brought them to a Super Bowl. They didn't have to draft Kerry Collins, okay? They they went out and, and signed him. They did not have to draft Kurt Warner to be the bridge to Eli Manning. They went out and they signed Kurt Warner, and they said, well, we need a bridge. We need a one-year bridge. We're going to sign you to a two-year deal with a player option that has an opt-out so that if we do get our franchise quarterback in the draft, you're going to have the chance to opt out. And that's what Kurt Warner did so that he wound up going to the Cardinals and Eli Manning stayed with the Giants. Neither time did the Giants draft a quarterback. What is it about these people out there who insist that they have to draft one? It's, it's ridiculous. Well, you could do both things simultaneously. And, Christian, we appreciate the phone call. We'll let you go on that note. You can get the veteran, Paul, to your point. And you can also draft a quarterback and have a veteran buy you a little bit more time while you develop a young guy. For example, they brought in Kurt Warner and they had Eli Manning. Now, things were accelerated because Tom Coughlin decided to go in the direction of Eli Manning that first year. But nobody's saying that you can't have the veteran as well as the rookie. I think you could do things Oh, both. absolutely Please. you can. Yeah. But if you don't have total conviction, you don't draft one. That's the point. There, there are so many people who are pushing. They've got to draft one. They've got to draft one. They've got to draft one. To force the issue is foolish because it is not the only way to get one. I'm with you. I mean, that's what I've been saying all the time. You don't take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback. You take the quarterback because you believe in the quarterback. You know, there's a lot of people that they keep looking at Eli Manning's age. They keep looking. By the at way, his... that goes for any position. Yeah. You better believe in the player if you're using a draft pick on him. One hundred percent. I mean, really. I mean, I'm not saying anything that's earth shattering, but this it is, is how to some people. Well, because this is how teams get into precarious situations when they start saying we have a need, we have a need. Our fans are calling for us to fill the need, so let's go out and grab a quarterback. And then you go out and grab a quarterback, and the quarterback doesn't pan out. And maybe you get a year or two of playing him, you realize he's not the guy, and then, Paul, three to four years later, you're back to square one. So you're in the same exact situation. Well, didn't the Jets get desperate when they drafted Mark Sanchez? They were desperate for one. They got one high in the first round. And as it turned out, he was a bit of a quick fix. They had the system around him to, have, had a good some, defense. to have some limited success. He was a game manager. And then after a few years... Well, guess what? We realize Mark Sanchez really isn't the franchise guy. And I think if they had the chance to do it all over again, they wouldn't have forced Mark Sanchez in the first round. Well, and you could go to other examples. We brought I mean, up Jamarcus Russell. I mean, we're talking about even higher picks. Uh, Ryan Leaf is another well, one. Th those are the guys who are total busts. What, I'm, say what well, I'm saying is the Jets had a good team. They had a lot of stuff around them. And they forced the issue. And even though he gave them limited success, it was a mistake. Well, I would have to go back and look off the top of my head. I don't remember. I'd be curious to see what the free agent options were, Paul, the year 
that Mark Sanchez was drafted. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly every single year, but Sanchez, when you look at you know the direction they went in, they were able to achieve success because the makeup of the team, I would argue, enabled the Jets to say, hey, we don't need a quarterback to come in and be the savior. So right. he was the fifth overall pick in 2009. But that's the problem. When you pick a guy five overall and you draft Mark Sanchez in that spot, you're expecting he's going to be a franchise guy, and you're expecting he's going to take you to the Super Bowl. Now, I know they got the two well, AFC Championship yeah. games. Not because of Mark Sanchez, as you described a couple yeah, of I'm, seconds ago. I'm not ago. claiming that. And he then was... shortly after, what happened? Well, this is what I will say about Mark Sanchez. First of all, it wasn't just the defense. Remember, Thomas Jones had a really good portion of his career with the Jets when he was running the football effectively. So the combination of a good defense and strong running game is going to help any quarterback. I mean, we say the same thing with Eli Manning. So I don't think Mark Sanchez is any different. What also didn't help Mark Sanchez is the injury bug, too. And Rex Ryan putting him in a meaningless preseason game against the Giants, which I don't think most people perhaps remember. That did not necessarily help his cause. But we're not here to revisit Mark Sanchez's career. Okay. Yes. You wanted to know free agent quarterbacks. In 09? In 09. Kurt Warner. Matt Castle, Kerry Collins, A.J. Feely, David Carr, Brett Favre, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Byron Leftwich. Those were your about. Oh, it's those not were some of you. Let's see. The it's, who's who. No, it's not a great. Uh, Luke McCown, Jeff Garcia, Charlie Batch, Kyle Bowler, Rex Grossman, Dan Orlovsky, J.P. Lossman, Joey Harrington, Brian Greasy, Chris Sims, Gus Farratt. I mean, honestly, were any of these guys significantly worse than Mark Sanchez? No, but I a guess— A bunch of these guys were probably in the same ballpark. They could have done themselves a huge favor and signed one of these guys instead of using the number 5 overall pick. Well, part of the rationale, though, and this is an issue that every team faces, do we like the potential of the young quarterback— or do we like the security of the veteran where we've seen what he can do and we figure he could translate his skill set? I mean, those are the two things that you have to weigh under those circumstances. So I think that's probably what everybody was looking at. And by the way, with respect to Kurt Warner in 2009, I just looked this up because I believed that was the year the Cardinals were coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Yes, so he resigned with them. It wasn't as if he was going to be legitimately an option to uh, head uh, elsewhere. But the point being, was Mark Sanchez significantly better than those folks that I just rattled off to you? Well, I mean, they'd have been better off signing one of those guys who could manage a game or maybe even do better than that and use the number five pick on something else. Well, but remember, we're also having this conversation anyway, knowing what's a giant show. Why are we Mark talking Sanchez's about Mark Sanchez? Well, we're talking about quarterbacks. It's all relevant. Okay. Relax here. We're, we're, all, we're all tying things up here as we come <laughs> full circle on Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's not a crime to delve into some other players and other teams. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Antonio is in Manhattan. Antonio, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, what's going on, Paul and Lance? How's you guys doing today? Hello. Right. How are you? What's on your mind, Antonio? Doing good. I just want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the offensive side and defensive side, but I just want to say real quick, while Paul brought Mark Sanchez on, we can't just right now just talk about Mark Sanchez. We don't know who the hell even was their wide receivers back then or if even Rex Ryan was a good offensive coach to develop a quarterback. There's a lot more that goes into a quarterback than just 
the quarterback itself. It's the system that he was brought in. You don't know he was brought into a bad system, correct? Well, oh, there's there's a lot that goes into it, but Mark Sanchez has had ample opportunity over numerous NFL seasons to right. prove that he was worth the number five overall pick. And but, I don't know that anybody would think that he is. But you said also that David Carr was never the same because of his first year in the Texans, He correct? was ruined by the 70-plus sacks. Yeah, they, yeah, no offensive they, line. He was so battered and, right. and gun-shy and basically, you know, just had himself just obliterated back there. And he knows that. It, it, it affected him to no end. So what I'm trying to say is just that, you know, and I want to move over to this point, is maybe team de- the team didn't develop Mark Sanchez correctly. And, you know, there's a certain window to develop a quarterback. It's very well, rare when you see these veterans like Foles develop afterwards. Yeah, but that, that was a good team, unlike Houston, which did not have a good right. team and had nothing of an offensive line. Sanchez was not battered to the point where it right. was a blitzkrieg that you could use the excuse that, oh, quarterback hits and quarterback sacks – destroyed his career I don't think you can apply the same thing to him and as far as talent I mean he had Santonio Holmes he had Braylon Edwards Ladanian Tomlinson was there during his tenure it wasn't of course the LT of the Chargers but Ladanian was over Ladanian was in the end of his career but again I don't want to talk about the Jets this is the Giants show yes please Um, want to talk about one thing Paul you keep defending Eli Manning to the end of the world I just have one question for you is Eli Manning limited now compared to as he was before let's say maybe five six seven years ago he's probably oh i don't know physicals physical tool wise yeah maybe he's 90 percent of what he was 90 percent. that's pretty big considering that there is you know experts out there bucky brooks we're talking about baldinger we're talking about matt miller there's people that are saying that this guy is pretty much done so for you to say 90%, that's pretty high. I just want you to let well, you know that. I'm here every day, and I watch practice every day. Any of those folks, well, right. they have outstanding credentials. Have you mm-hmm. known, do you know how many times all of them combined have been at Giants practice in the last three years? Zero. That's very true. Maybe zero. Zero. Yeah, absolutely. Zero. Absolutely. So just wanted to let you know that you have a very high point of view of Eli Manning right I'm now. I'm here every day, oh. and I get to watch him. And I think, you know, that eyewitness evidence is better than anything mm-hmm. you're going to hear say on the street. That's true. That's true, too, also. So you make a good point on that. Now, what I wanted to say is, have you? I know that you heard you spoke to scouts about Kyler Murray, but have you done your own eye test on Kyler Murray? Have I done it on Murray? No, I have not. Outside of, of things that I saw on regular television, I have not right. done my brain. I started doing Haskins, by the way, and I'm, okay. I'm not changing my opinion on Haskins. Kyler Murray, right. for me, part of my issue with Kyler Murray, uh, I, have, I have two. Well, I have two. Let's just, before you even look at the tape, I have two issues going in. One is mm-hmm. the size issue. Fundamentally mm-hmm. speaking, and Lance and I were talking about this the other day, fundamentally speaking, if you have a short quarterback, okay, what that requires is an outstanding interior offensive line in front of him so that mm-hmm. defenses cannot crowd the front of his pocket because he's got to be able to mm-hmm. see, and he's also got to be able to loft the ball across the defense. That's mm-hmm. a very that's a that's a very big obstacle. That's number one. Obstacle mm-hmm. number two is if he drops back further, which is what usually short quarterbacks have to do to be able to get the angle to see downfield mm-hmm. and to get the ball out. That means they have to drop back further. If you drop back further, usually what happens in the NFL is those edge rushers 
come around to the back of the pocket because that's where your tackles are pushing them, which means he's right in harm's way. So that's mm-hmm. obstacle number two. Obstacle number three becomes if that happens, he now has to step up into the front of the pocket to try to be able to buy that extra second or so to get the ball off. But if you don't have the proper protection in the interior of the offensive line in the front, there's no room for him to step up. That is obstacle number three. So you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Much to the chagrin of my my short friend here, and I appreciate him. He's a great guy. Knows a lot about Mm -hmm. football. He's a hell of an announcer. I wouldn't want Lance playing quarterback for me either because he's got significant obstacles to overcome. So as far as I'm concerned, Murray's already off my board. Because of those reasons, he's off the board. The other problem I have the other problem I have with him mm-hmm. is that the indecision initially playing the baseball tag against the football tag, that's right. a problem for me. Okay? Listen, okay. if you're all in, I want I want guys who are all in, who are gonna give me twelve months out of the year, all in, mental focus, twenty five seven. Okay, right. on me. This guy was, right. was playing games with baseball and football. Oh, I'm going to make an announcement next week. Oh, I'm going to make an announcement tomorrow. Oh, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. Have a nice day. That's, that's not I my guy. I think that had more, 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 more to do with finances than anything. Yeah, I, I would agree I, with you, Antonio. You know, yeah, I think it was a money but, move. Oh, you Absolutely. mean to tell me if he really wanted to play football in his heart of hearts, he was not going to get rich and support his family playing football? No, but I think it was Come also. I, I think it was Come also. On. I think it was something that his agent and his representatives right. advised him because I think they also wanted to assess the interest in the draft from the NFL side. Well, if he's threatening to go to baseball, what if we pique the interest of some NFL teams? How high right. would they be willing to go? You, you sort of do that from a strategic standpoint. And, and I, I think get, that was part and, of it. And I get the mechanisms there, but for me, and again, I'm not a GM, but if I'm a GM, right. I'm not touching a guy who plays games like that. Well, that's more well, of a reason why you sit down that guy at the combine and you have a face-to-face exactly. conversation and you get out yes. of him exactly, not through a third source. Kyler, right. what's your game plan? And then you say, hey, listen, we draft you. We expect you to be football 24-7. You're not going to you, spring John. training and this and that. It's Lance, but it's okay. We we'll, won't we'll <laughs> hold that against you. Yeah. Anyway, that was one of the worst <laughs> insults I've ever been called, but it's okay, Antonio. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know if I'll take your I'm phone sorry, call Lance. in the future. I hate that so yeah. much. It's anyway, all right. It's all right. Yeah, that, that's strike two, just so you know. But anyway, anyway he's, yeah. he's yeah, off my board you. regardless, yeah. and, and the short thing is too much for him to overcome for me. Here's the fact about Kyler Murray, and I just finished doing my study on it. I haven't studied, have studied Haskins yet, but Kyler Murray played about 85%, and this was confirmed also. I think his coach tweeted that he, tweet, he played 85% of the snaps inside the pocket. The kid runs almost a 4-3. The kid is dynamic. I mean, if you think about Jackson, um, uh, that's a Jackson name from Baltimore. Um, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. A more accurate version of Jackson, if that's even possible, but it is. Um, and this kid played in the pocket. Um, so so he's not, it's, it's not like he's not used to that. And any quarterback, doesn't matter if you're of your statue, if you're mobile or not, if you get the pass rush right up the middle, it's going to be a long day for you. Eli Manning, when he gets – that's his kryptonite, getting pass rush right up the middle. So, so it's not just about Kyler Murray and his size. It's any quarterback. You have to protect the middle of the pocket. 
I think that's one thing for sure. Yeah, and but a tall, a tall quarterback doesn't have to worry about the angles. He doesn't have to worry about getting the ball up and over. He doesn't have to worry about the right. fact that the, if, the, if the rush is coming in, well, he can see over it. Kyler Murray's going to have obstacles. He's got three significant obstacles because of his height, no matter what you he say about has, his speed. He's overcome those obstacles. He's won the Heisman. He and, has different In the NCAA, big deal. Means nothing to me. Wait, this wait, is the wait, NFL. Wait. The size of linemen and D lines are almost the exact same size as the NFL. We're just talking about oh, being, they're bigger. No. Well, in terms no, of no, weight. no, 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 no. Listen, no, no, Antonio, I, I oh, like no, no, no. Kyler Murray's game, and, and I don't disagree with any of the points you're bringing up. I, I do disagree, right. and we're going to let you go on that note because we want to get to a few phone wait, calls. Let me say one I, thing about the defense. R- real quick. Just one quick thing about the defense. So I, I would be okay with us trading away or releasing even. Uh, Olivier Vernon. If we don't want to go quarterback, I would love to us to go Davis, the linebacker from LSU. I think he is. Um, really good player. We need to solidify the middle of the field. The middle of the field is the most important thing. Look at the Patriots. They didn't get that many sacks last year. They got a whole bunch, but they stopped the run. We need to solidify ourselves stopping the run, and we'll take care of everything else. Guys, have a great one. I hear you. All right, you too now. Phone call. Yeah, but if you remove Vernon, then you still need to find somebody to get after the quarterback. It's not like you could just ignore that, and Vernon was the main guy that got to the quarterback this past season. You remove him, and you're saying you're going to focus on the middle of the linebacking core. You're still going to need somebody off the edge, and by removing JPP from the roster, Vernon didn't have his complement. Now you get rid of Vernon. All right, so now you got two areas that you still need to address. I would not be so quick to part ways with it. But real quickly, before we get back to the phone call, the point of why you can't just say, well, Murray thrived against teams in the Big 12 as a member of Oklahoma, and therefore it's automatically going to translate, is first of all, it was one year. Okay, it's a small sample size. He did not start as long as Baker Mayfield, so it's still a little bit more potential than him. And while you want to say the people are the same size, the Big 12 defense I would not describe as the creme de la creme of college football the last time I checked. Okay. Totally you agree. Know? So all of those things need to be taken into consideration. I don't disagree with any of the caller's sentiments. I like Murray's athleticism. I love his arm. love his heart. I think he's a good decision maker for the most part. Still has room to improve there. But those limitations and the short sample size, the small sample size, cannot be dismissed. You have to take all of that into consideration. Let's get back to the phone lines. Jose is in Orlando. Jose, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, Lance and Paul. How you guys doing? You're right, Jose. We hear you loud and clear. What's on your mind? All right. Lance, you you stole my thunder there when you talked about Kyler Murray playing in the Big 12. That's like a basketball game. They don't play defense on the Big 12. No, they don't. It's a track meet. Yep. I completely agree with you on that. And, Paulie, not to beat up on, on Paul Kyler Murray a little bit, but John Elway played the baseball card back when he was going to get drafted. He well. did. He did. That's and, a good point. And, and, you know, the he funny sure part did. The funny <laughs> part about that was Ernie Accorsi wanted to challenge him, but he was going to hold him. Er, Ernie wanted no part of that trade, and it was Ursay, the owner, who wound up with the Colts, who wound up trading him without Ernie Accorsi's knowledge and permission. Ernie was the GM. And, of yep. course, he went and made the trade because he got scared. He he didn't like yep. the whole baseball thing. Ernie truly yep. believed that at that time, Elway was strictly using it as, as a business move. It wasn't it, – oh, he, he, well, And that's what know, we're saying Kyler Murray well, was doing too. I, I don't know the answer to that, but it wouldn't be a guy who I want to draft. But, but anyway, yeah, here's but, the thing. Elway, of course, was a tall quarterback who had phenomenal skills – and, oh, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm not I, you know, the two. you can't compare the two. The They're two not the same no, at all. No, 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 I'm not. What I'm saying is I'm comparing the situation. Yeah, the strategy. He was, 
he was leveraging baseball to get a better yeah. opportunity. I'm not a football. fan of that. And Kyler Murray is the same thing. I'm that not a fan, off, though. I'm not off, a fan of leverage. Football. They're a football family. Yeah, I'm a football guy. Oh. You're, you're darn straight. I'm yes. a football guy, first, yes. second, and no, third. No, no, I'm saying Kyler is, too. But I don't want to get too much on Kyler because I don't want to burn my time with that. But um, what I wanted to say is uh, a couple of things. Uh, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, um, I think before I go into – Everybody's saying, oh, we need a quarterback, we need a quarterback, we need a quarterback. The thing you have to understand, we have players like Odell Beckham Jr. that are in the prime of their career right now. If we wait for to draft a quarterback, to develop a quarterback, to get him going, by the time we're losing on that window of, of his of his prime, although we have younger players and stuff like that. So I, I agree. Maybe I was thinking maybe we should get a bridge quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he could do something like that, and then we can wait. But I think, forget about quarterback. The number one thing that I think the Giants need is our defense. Nobody's afraid of the Giants defense. You got like it. Used to be. Nobody's afraid of the Giants defense. That's we got right. no pass rush. We got, we got no corners. We got no safety help. I would love to pair up Ha Ha Clinton Dix with his old Alabama teammate, Collins, mm-hmm. or even the Honey Badger, just to solidify the, the middle of that defense, mm-hmm. to have a safety that could roam and help out on both sides, especially when we go to nickels and dimes, as well as. We need another pass rusher. And pass rushers, those guys, if we get a pass rusher in the, with the sixth round, I'm okay with that. You know, and, you know, it's, it all depends on what Gettleman wants to do if he needs to get a quarterback. And if he does decide, hey, that's my guy like you guys talked about yesterday, then, yeah, that's his guy. But we need to get defensive, defense, a linebacker that can go sideline to sideline because these days we need a, a fast linebacker. Our team doesn't have a lot of speed. This guy's beating us to the corner. We got no pass rush. We get a little quicker with a defensive lineman, a, a safety, like hopefully pick one up in the free agency, and then go draft with your defensive lineman with linebackers and then get maybe an offensive lineman in the third round because we are going to draft up to the third round. I believe like the same thing you said about that, Paulie. I don't think the Giants are going to let that, that gap between draft picks happen. Right. So we'll probably trade up to get up there. But, um, yeah, I totally agree. People are like, oh, they need a quarterback. Listen, if we get a quarterback, that's fine. But guess what? We're going to be the Big 12 of the NFC East. We're going to score a lot of points because we got an offensive line and Eli's dipping the board of the weapons, but we're not stopping anyone. Well, they already, led the, they already led the NFC yeah. East in points this past season, and look what happened. And also points yeah. allowed, too. They were on opposite ends <laughs> of the spectrum. So, exactly. yeah, you just try to outscore everybody. And I'm just like, man, you guys got to look, look at the horse's mouth and say, hey, look, we're not stopping anyone. We're scoring 30 points here. Okay, fine, we didn't score... We didn't have a lot of games where we scored 30 points more. But even if we do solidify, get another offensive lineman, what's going to happen to our defense? Our defense is Swiss cheese. So, with that said, that, that's one thing I know Mr. Mayor and Mr. Tish want the long, want to have success for a long period of time. But we put a band-aid on it. We need to take care of our defense first and, and have people fear us again like they feared the Giants back in the day, in the 80s, in the 90s, when we had a good defense, a good running game. And, and a decent quarterback. We don't need to air it out. Like, well, that's why you, you need balance on the roster. See, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And the Absolutely. thing that you've said before you go, the thing that you've said that really plays into the Giants' hands, not only are you talking smart, but it just so happens that their need fits the strength of the draft. Because we are yeah. hearing that 70% of the first three rounds is going to be defense. The value is going to meet the Giants' needs as they pick high yeah. in this draft. That's that's why it makes sense. If you and I were just sitting here saying they need defense, they have to draft defense, and it was a bad draft for defense, then that would be forcing the issue. That would be wrong. Right. 
That's not the case. There's a lot of great defense in this draft. So let's go get it. And, Jose, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing Thank in. Thank you, guys. The, the one thing, though, that I disagree with is you can't have the mindset that you don't want to draft a quarterback or you don't want to bring in a young quarterback because you're going to waste the prime of certain players' careers. I disagree with that, and here's the perfect example. Look at what the Eagles did. They brought in Carson Wentz by the second year. The team was flourishing. With respect to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, they drafted him. The team quickly was flourishing. Dallas and the Dak Prescott scenario. I know Romo was supposed to be the quarterback. He went down. Dak comes in, and they're immediately making some noise. So you just you never know with what's going to happen with a young quarterback. It's more of a reason why as long as you have a balanced team, you could have success with a young quarterback. You can't shy away from pulling the trigger just because you think there's going to be some growing pains. Every team's gone through that, but if you have balance, you overcome some of those young growing pains. I think That's that was a tiny percentage of his point. I don't think that really— No, no, I wasn't—well, listen, yeah. like any other conversation, I'm just bringing in something okay. to add to it. I'm, I'm not saying he was hammering that home. He just brought up Odell Beckham's in the prime. You don't want to waste his prime on a young quarterback. And my point is, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, I could list a lot I'll of tell other you what. young guys who have had— some early success. They've, they've wasted enough of Eli's years without having an offensive line. Okay, let let you know. Let if you really want to talk about wasting years. So I mean, next call. Let's head to <laughs> Buffalo, where Peter is. Peter, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Yeah, just wanted to kind of ride on the coattails of the last caller. Um, Long time listener, first time caller. I'm a big fan of you guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Um, the one thing I was I was wanted to t touch on real quick was that, you know, all these NFL analysts are talking about how the Giants are going to be taking a, um, a quarterback at number six, and I just completely disagree with that. I just don't see that happening. I just don't see Gettleman doing that. Um, defense, we need more. You know, it's more of a priority, I think, to get somebody on the defense to, you know, fill that in. And um, I was wondering, basically, what you guys thought of possibly acquiring Tyrod Taylor. And I could take your answer off the air for that. All right. Appreciate the phone call, Peter. Thanks so much for weighing in. Tyrod Taylor was brought into Cleveland last year to be that bridge, coincidentally, for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and I will say this. If Tyrod doesn't get hurt, I don't think Baker sees the field as early as he did. It so happened to open up the door for Baker Mayfield. Tyrod Taylor... Remember, helped Buffalo get to the playoffs the year before. I mean, I think Tyrod doesn't get enough credit for his decision-making. If, if you look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio over the course of his career, it's not bad. Durability is certainly a question mark with him. He's battled some injuries over the course of his career. And I think when you look at some of the veteran quarterbacks, it's not necessarily a bad option if they wanted to go that route. So, you know, it's somebody that is worth having a conversation about. I wouldn't necessarily be anti-Tyrod Taylor. Like I said, I don't think his numbers and just the chatter surrounding him does him justice. I'm just making sure. Is Tyrod Taylor a free agent, though, now that I think about it? I was looking up he the is, status of his he, contract. He is a free agent. He did. So Cleveland only gave him, well, they acquired the Buffalo deal. Yes. And then he had one year remaining. Okay, I just wanted to confirm that. So he, he is he is a free agent as far as I could tell yeah, right I mean, now. I would consider him. If you want to have a bridge, I, I don't think that's a stretch. I don't now, know what you think me, about Tyrod Taylor, but I, I think he could do far worse than Tyrod well, Taylor. Well, if he's backing up Manning in 19 because they don't draft a quarterback, I wouldn't necessarily be screaming yeah. about that. But if you're telling me, go get Tyrod Taylor, 
and get rid of Eli Manning, well, then I'm going to No, I, I don't think object. that would be the plan. I think it would be, remember, this goes back to the conversation we had yesterday. Pat Shermer values having a veteran quarterback in the backup spot. Right. Somebody who, without reps over the course of a week, can come in. So I can absolutely see a scenario like that playing out. And Dan Salamone, our exquisite producer, we should mention, compared to everybody else who assists on this program, Tyrod Taylor, 53 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Told you, his numbers are not as bad as people make it out to no. be. They just associate with him with the bills and not winning consistently and so forth. If he wanted to come in here and, and wound up being the number two guy, I would not have a problem with that. Let's head back to the phone lines. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. Len, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, hey guys. How you doing? Hi. Doing all right, Len. <clears throat> What's on your mind? Hey, uh, quick quick comment on when you were going through the NFC East. A couple, couple of things on the Redskins free agents that you talked about. Preston Smith's a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. He would not be. He is. Yeah, I don't think he's as good as Vernon, but uh, Smith Smith's pretty good. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the team. Um, the safety Hicks, man, he had a. Apparently, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on safety play, but uh, the the word on the street here and amongst the experts, so-called experts, the sports talk guys in Washington, he was terrible those last eight games. He did. He struggled. Um, yeah. I, no, I don't know if, you know, if the Giants want to go in that direction. They know more than I do. I'm just saying what the, what, what the, the so-called wisdom was on this guy as, as the season was winding down. And he only, he, I think they had him for like seven games uh, at the end of the season. But uh, just, you know, the feeling was he, he didn't do much at all. He wasn't I'll tell you the guy I really like, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he, he is a free agent. I really like that wide receiver, Crowder. I'd like him from the first day he put that uniform on. He, he's a good player. I, I don't even know if he's a free agent, whether the Giants can fit him in with their budget. But I, I always keep my eye on Crowder. He's a good player. Yeah, Crowder player. is a free agent, Len. No, you were right about that. And okay. I've liked him, too. Uh, he did damage against the Giants, if you recall, not too long oh, ago yeah. in a matchup uh, right here at yeah. MetLife Stadium. The one thing I will say about him is durability. Last few seasons, yes. hasn't been fully healthy. It's something yes. you definitely want to look into. But I think, uh, and I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, when you look at your opponents in the East and, and you, you know, you look at the wide receivers, you know, Jeffries, um, Cooper, don't discount Crowder. We need a corner who can cover those guys. Well, we're going to get, I mean, we're going to get burned. Um, you, you want another I, short I guy, put, though? I put Len? Crowder in that group. I think he's, Len. you know, maybe not Amari Cooper, but he's, he's a player. The guy's Len, a player. I, I don't dispute his talent, but he's another Smurf. I got enough Smurfs in that room. I, I want no part of another Smurf. Go get okay. me a tall. Go get me a tall guy like Funches. Okay, okay, good point, Paul. Good point. And uh, Paul, um, your ninety percent uh, assessment on Eli. You know, when you answered that question, that he's ninety percent where he was five, six, physically, seven years ago. Physically, I think you were more than fair. And Paul, here's my take on this quarterback situation. If if they signed Eli to a two-year extension tomorrow, mm-hmm. and we had him for three years, I'd jump for joy. Absolutely jump for joy. Now, everybody knows who's ever listened to my call, and you guys certainly know, I do have a little bias. <laughs> I like Eli, obviously. But, hey, I'm not for drafting a quarterback at six. But In fact, if you think one of those two, if we think one of those two quarterbacks is as good as the sixth pick in the draft, they're probably not going to be there at the sixth pick. 
Somebody's trading up and getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to wait if they're that good. Well, I mean, it also it depends on what teams think of this quarterback class. But you're right. Everybody's talking about Haskins, for example. Len, for all we know, he's taken in the top five picks, and when the Giants are ready to select, Haskins is not even there. It's oh, very possible that could happen. Sc- if they yeah. think he's actually, if other teams think he's, you know, besides the Giants, actually think this guy is worthy of the sixth pick in the draft. There's going to be there's going to be teams trying to I mean four or five teams trying to get ahead of us to make that pick. Well, yeah, because it would behoove the Giants, as I said last year, it would behoove the Giants to make people think they're going to consider the quarterback. So this yeah. way, somebody is going to have to jump up and make a move, and maybe they even right. make a move with the Giants. Well, maybe right. the Giants get an extra right. pick. Well, and I will say right. this, related to that, why do you think there's a lot of speculation surrounding what Cliff Kingsbury, the new Cardinals coach, said about Kyler Murray not too long ago, because the Cardinals would be wise to sell the fact that they may want to move on from Josh Rosen, because now teams have to think twice, do we need to move up if the Cardinals take a quarterback and we want Haskins and they love Murray? It's all strategy. That's why you can only put so much stock and substance into what the media and teams are saying. The one thing we know, setting the quarterbacks aside, the one thing we know, there is going to be one heck of a football player there at number six. I mean, there is really going to be somebody at a number of positions who's really going to help us going in the 19. Probably on defense, man. Probably on defense. Who's going to give me the best chance to win? Who's giving me the best chance? Hey, can I say something about Vernon and and Jenkins? Yeah. Is there a point, and Lance, you you probably alluded to it uh, earlier in the show. Is there a point at which we say, you know, they're just going to keep Vernon and Jenkins. I mean, the longer it goes on, even day by day, guys, it's an indication that Vernon and Jenkins are going to be around. I, I just, you know, it's getting it's getting on a little bit. And if you want to help, the, if you want to help those two guys out, help them find a job before free agency and before the draft, and people make all their big decisions. I mean, you let them go now. You let them go this week, and, and give the guy a chance to break in somewhere. So I think almost day by day. The longer well, it goes on, the more we can Lance, be sure. And again, Lance, I think you talked about the fact that you thought Vernon was going to be here next year. Yeah, I don't see any writing on the wall, at least at this point, to think otherwise. Yeah. And I'm also looking yeah. at the makeup of the roster and whether or not you realistically have a replacement as it stands right now. And the answer yeah. is Vernon was by far the most productive Look, pass rusher, even though he missed some of the season. Lance, Absolutely. George, George Absolutely. Young used to say, when, when you're going to ask me a question about replacing somebody, you better have the answer first. And George was so right in that regard. So maybe the Giants simply want to see a a, a better view of the free agent pool before they determine what they're going to do with some of their guys. Because there's always a possibility that maybe they got their eyes, let's just say, on player X. Player X could be Clowney. Player X could be Ford. Player X could be any pass rusher. Well, it it, it could be Preston Smith, Paul. Well, who knows? Yeah, yeah. And, and and they're like, okay, well, let's see what X team is going to do with player X. Because if player X is going to get tied up and go back to his original team, all of a sudden, maybe we think we're better off holding on to the guy we have. There yeah, are okay. a lot yeah, of scenarios. The only, the only thing is, and where I was coming from with that is, you know, you get into the human resource thing, Paul. I mean, maybe you do that, but I would think by now, after seeing them for two years and knowing what you have, and you got a pretty good lay, not you, but the Giants have a pretty good lay of the land, I, I, I think you can make that decision. And then, you know, these guys have it. 
You know, other teams are going to be making their other teams are going to be making their decisions too. I know. I, I, it get, it <laughs> I'm in get, the minority. It gets I, sticky, I tell man. I'm in the minority no, no, on that it, point. Get, it gets <laughs> sticky. It gets sticky. And then there's the other thing about you want to see how your cap is shaking out too, because yeah. let's say you do want to jettison a player. Now, do you yeah. make them a post June first cut so you can yeah. spread out the money? That yeah. also becomes a strategic move too. There's a lot of moving parts here. you got to see how the yeah. timeline plays out, Len. And listen, we're going to let you go on that oh, note. Okay. Appreciate Thanks, the phone guys. call. Thanks, Len. Got it. Thanks for weighing in. I mean, I, I think it's realistic to perhaps look at the fact that they may test the free agent waters before they make decisions on players currently on the roster. I don't think that's a stretch. But I agree with you, Paul. you got to know what plan B is before all of a sudden you implement plan A. Yeah, and you if really you don't do. have a replacement, it could put you even in a tougher predicament. The last forward. thing you want to do is create another crater going into the Absolutely. draft. Absolutely. The point is to fill the voids, not create more. <laughs> we want to remind you, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. That is going to wrap up Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running tomorrow, noon Eastern, as we get you set for the start of the Combine as well as free agency. And real quickly, it looks like, according to multiple reports, the Steelers are not going to give Le'Veon Bell the transition tag, so he will become an unrestricted free agent. A little tidbit as we wrap things up here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday right here on Giants.com. Have a good one.